Generating heat currently produces about one third of all UK emissions. So decarbonising our heating sector is a really important step in reaching the UK's 2050 net zero target. Hello, I'm Samantha Simmons, and in this episode of the Future of Energy podcast series, I'm talking to ESO Customer and Stakeholder Senior Manager Emily Ledbetter and Energy Analysis Manager Lauren Stutchfield to learn more about how we'll all heat our homes and businesses in the future. Emily and Lauren, a very warm welcome. Hi, Samantha. It's great to be back. Hi, Samantha. Thank you for having us. So, Emily, let's start with you. What is decarbonisation of heat and why is it so important? Yeah, so as we know, we've got the 2050 net zero target. And what that means is that by 2050, we need to reduce to net zero the amount of greenhouse gas that we are releasing into the atmosphere. And a lot of people know that that means things like burning less coal in order to generate electricity and switching your car from diesel or petrol to an electric vehicle. But I think probably fewer people have made the link to things like their gas boilers in their homes. And as you said, you know, we know that around one third of UK emissions comes from generating heat. And there's a number of ways that that might change in the future. It might be that people start using heat pumps, for example, if they use electricity to generate their heat instead of gas. Or it might be that people use hydrogen if there's hydrogen in the gas distribution networks rather than the natural gas that we currently burn in those gas boilers. Or it might be, for example, that there are district heating networks where we use excess heat from industrial processes to heat local housing estates. So there are a range of ways that we might decarbonise the heat that we all use in our homes. But it is very important because it makes up such a large proportion of how we produce greenhouse gases in the UK at the moment. Lauren? I think what is important for me to remember is that To achieve net zero and decarbonisation, it requires action from everybody, from all across industry down to the person at home. And therefore, we all need to take our own actions. And part of that is heat. As Emily's already said, it accounts for one third of UK emissions. And so it's really important. And it's an area where individuals can make a difference. And let's talk about what challenges we face in decarbonising heat. Emily? I guess the obvious one really is that it means people changing what they've currently got in their homes and changing what they're used to as well. So people are comfortable with gas boilers, people know how they work, comfortable that they're safe and that they're reasonably cost efficient. I think where you start to think about cost effectiveness, sometimes with some of the newer solutions, that can be quite uncertain for people. There's then the question of actually which solution do people go for as an alternative and is that going to be more expensive for them is it going to mean that they have to change the kit that they have in their homes will they need for example bigger radiators if the heat source isn't as intense as it might be from burning gas there's also then the question of energy efficiency because if you've got a less intensive heat source you need your house to be much better insulated in order to hold that heat in the building more effectively So all of those sorts of quite physical changes to kit and to the homes themselves is quite uncertain and can be deemed as quite disruptive, potentially. People might be worried about that sort of thing. But a lot of what we've talked about previously in these podcasts around decarbonisation shows that we do need consumers to be willing to change their behaviour. And heat is going to be an absolutely key part of that. And Lauren, what's your view? Decarbonising heat is important through policy and technology 
and changes that can be made on a larger scale, we can remove carbon from the energy system that we've got. But fundamentally, using less of something is always going to be better than trying to decarbonise it. So part of decarbonising heat is about the insulation you have in your homes, but also what temperature you have your thermostat at. So just turning down the heating will make a big difference. And then if you insulate your home, and then the actions on top of that are actually what technology is available to you and what technology is suitable for you and how you live and use your home but also what sort of home is it and where are you on the network so whereas we see just a few options today when we move into the future there'll be many more options and part of the hurdle that we're going to have to overcome is making everyone aware as to what these options and the technologies are and making them feel confident with the choices that they've got as well as understanding the initial investment that's required in order to change their heating system in their home, making people feel comfortable that they will get a return on that investment. Okay, and Lauren, tell us what do the ESO's future energy scenarios say about heat? So in the future energy scenarios, we have four different scenarios, which are credible pathways, which show us the different futures of heat that we may see. And these are based off different consumer behaviour assumptions, policy and technologies. So we have leading the way, which is the most progressive scenario. And here we have high levels of consumer engagement and efficiency. And so this leads to a mix of electrified heating, which is predominantly heat pumps, and also regional hydrogen networks. We also have consumer transformation, which again has high levels of consumer engagement, but slightly less amounts of hydrogen on a local level in this scenario. And then in system transformation, we assume a moderate level of consumer engagement and therefore hydrogen boilers provide the vast majority of heating through a national hydrogen network in this scenario. And then we have steady progression, which is the least progressive scenario, with gas boilers continuing to provide the majority of heating. Right. And Emily? The really key thing here for me is to understand that consumers will wait for signals that push them in a certain direction over another. So some people might be really excited about the opportunity to decarbonise their homes and maybe move towards electrification and heat pumps. Other people are going to wait until there's hydrogen there and and then make that switch. So the really key thing here is the importance of the sort of policy signals and when are some of these decisions going to be made and how is that going to impact upon individuals and the choices that they subsequently make about their own homes. That's one of the things we're really waiting for, is to understand the the big questions such as who's going to decide, when are those decisions going to be made, and then who's going to pay for it, because some consumers are not going to be able to pay for investments in things like heat pumps without considerable subsidies and grants to help them do that. And whilst we know a lot of these technologies have lower long-term running costs, that upfront investment in new kit that might potentially be a bit more expensive, at least in the short to medium term, it does put it out of reach for some people. Um, Lauren, I think it's fair to say some people are concerned about the security of our energy supplies. We move to using more electric heating methods. So how will our electricity grid cope if everyone is heating their homes using electricity at the same time? First of all, I'd urge people not to be concerned. At the ESO, we have lots of people who have been looking at this for a number of years. So we're well prepared 
and daily looking at what will the impact be of the electrification of heat and the electrification of our transport system. So we will see increases in electricity use across GB. Unmanaged, this could lead to larger demand at peak times. So when you get home from work on a winter's day, all the lights come on, the heating turns on and you start cooking your dinner. That's your traditional peak demand time. And so as we move to have more heat, and more electric vehicles, more of that demand will go onto the electricity system. But what we're doing, we're making sure that we look at different ways in which we can manage this and spread the demand throughout the day. So predominantly, you've always seen in the past fossil fuel stations responding to increases in demand, which allows you to balance the system. Whereas what we're going to see more of in the future is more of a response on the demand side. So the technology and the pricing signals that you can get within your home will naturally change people's behaviour or change their technology that they're using without them even having to change what they want from it or how they behave. So examples of this will be having thermal storage, so it could be a heat pump with a hydrogen boiler as a hybrid system, or it could be a traditional solution such as having storage heaters or hot water tanks. Now, many of these aren't new ideas and it's about setting in the right technology within your home to allow you to keep your home heated to a level that's suitable and also allows us to manage the network at the same time. One of the big changes that we know we're going to see will be the increase of time of use tariffs. So we've already seen these start to be uptaken with electric vehicles and these will become more and more prevalent as we go through time. And these will encourage consumers to use energy away from peak times and to reduce these surges on the system. And so we're predicting how people will respond and what these time of use tariffs will be like. And we want to make sure that we still have a resilient network and enough generation behind it to ensure that we always meet security of supply. The only thing I'd add to what Lauren's already said is just that when you come to manage a system such as the electricity system that we've got in the UK, partly that picture is about supply and partly that picture is about demand. As Lauren's already said, being able to reduce demand is very helpful, particularly in a world where supply is based on wind and solar. So the key things that people can do to reduce their heat demand are to reduce the temperature of their thermostats. As Lauren's already said, if everybody turned their thermostats down by one degree, it would save 13% of our heat demand. Even by half a degree, it would save 7%. So those are quite big numbers and people can make a difference by changing quite simple things. We're certainly not asking people to freeze through the winter, but just reducing by one degree can make quite a significant difference. And then also obviously when they do that becomes important. So when you're actually choosing to heat your home and how you store that heat if you don't want to use it immediately is really important. The other way obviously that you can reduce demand is by insulating your home more effectively. You know we've all long heard the stories about how important energy efficiency and home insulation are particularly as we move towards a much more decarbonised future. So Lauren do you think different regions will have different approaches to heating homes in the future? Yes, they'll have to. In the past, we've seen a few technologies take precedent, but in the future, we'll see more and more variation. And this will change based on how consumers live and how they want to heat their home, but also what type of home that is and where it is based on the network and also the regional weather patterns. A key focus of our heat analysis this year has been the regionalisation of modelling of heat. 
So this incorporates different factors such as the housing type, cost effectiveness, and the effectiveness of different technologies in different regions. So it will weigh up the different costs based on the specific location and pick the lowest cost technology for each of the homes. For hydrogen, we form hubs where the cost is lowest. And so the people around hydrogen hubs where we get industrial clusters will have more hydrogen heating. Ultimately, not a single technology is the answer for decarbonisation. And we'll have to see a mix of heating technologies, which will be crucial to meet net zero in a feasible way. There are so many variations when you come to look at how people will decarbonise the heat they use. So, for example, the type of home that you're in, whether that's a flat or a detached home or a houseboat, for example. So the type of house is important. There's also the age of that house and how in well insulated it might be. There's also actually whether or not you own that home. So what people choose to do in their own homes might be different to if they were just renting a home, for example, if that house is owned by somebody else. There's also the question of what's available to you if you are already off grid, for example, the solution is unlikely to be something that involves building a network where one currently doesn't exist rather than putting in, for example, a heat pump. So there's a whole range of different options and different regions have different balances of each of those variations. And that's what will drive people to make particular decisions about the home that they live in, as well as drive local government and central government to make key recommendations about what solution might be right for people in those areas. How do you expect consumers to react? What will actually make people switch to lower carbon heating like heat pumps and storage heaters? There will always be some people who choose to make the change because it's the right thing to do for the planet. Increasingly, I think we're seeing people who fall into that camp. There will also be people who like to have the newest tech and the new gadgets and want to have the new snazziest heat pump. Whether heat pumps will ever be quite as exciting for people as the new latest Apple iPhones is, I guess, a topic for debate. But certainly there will be people who will go for the latest tech because that's just the sort of thing they like to do. There will always be something about affordability, though, and we have to consider consumer not just willingness to pay for changing technology, but also their ability to pay. So the upfront cost of a lot of these things is going to be really important. Longer term, it becomes about operating costs and the payback period, because often, despite an initial investment in the long term, it does start to become cheaper. And you can see that sort of thing has happened with solar panels. So people have had to invest in solar panels up front, but then benefit from having lower electricity bills further down the line. Consumer engagement will also be a key factor in achieving heat decarbonisation. And that varies across the future energy scenarios from very high levels of engagement in leading the way in consumer transformation to relatively low in steady progression. I think consumer engagement is key, but alongside that we need policy. Policy is going to have to play a crucial role. So it's going to have to do a range of different things in order for us to be able to achieve the levels of decarbonisation that we need in order to hit net zero. So we're going to have to provide incentives and grants and phasing out of gas boilers. As we've already said, we are increasingly seeing people across society really understanding the size of the challenge that the climate change and changes to environment is creating. Moving from just talking about that in terms of reduction of plastic and reduction in emissions from vehicles towards reducing emissions from homes is going to be hugely beneficial for decarbonisation and for whether or not we hit our net zero goal by 2050. 
Okay, thank you. Emily and Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today and for your fascinating insights. Thanks very much for having us. Thanks, Samantha. It was great to talk about heat and I look forward to our next podcast. And thanks to you for listening to today's Future of Energy podcast. There will be another episode coming soon. For more information on our future energy scenarios, head to our website, nationalgrideso.com. Bye for now.